0: God is so good. What a beautiful place He's prepared for us. You know, many of you uh, maybe were watching the news last night and it feels like there's a destructive fire in our land, in our world, and between the pandemic and what's happening in our country and around the world, uh, there's much sorrow. But this morning, we're going to talk about another kind of fire, a fire that does not destroy, but a fire that brings life a fire that heals, a fire that will change the course of human history. And God has revealed what this fire is, Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I got to say, this morning, I didn't even realize this, but we had a prayer time and one of our elders said, did you realize it was about nine o'clock in the morning when they were gathered (laughs) at Pentecost over 2,000 years ago? So we're following the tradition. So, about 63 days ago was a Sunday that we were going to celebrate 40 years at Rimrock Church, and we were going to have a, a giant celebration, a giant meal, but everything got canceled, and we decided uh, to uh, hold off on our services because we didn't know what was going to happen, we didn't know uh, what was going to be, and so as the as the recommendation was to begin stop large gatherings, we didn't gather that morning. And uh, 40, I was thinking about, I went to Isaiah chapter 40. Throughout the Bible represents trouble, trial, wilderness. Have you ever been through trouble? Have you ever been through trial? This human experience and throughout the Bible, it's represented in the number 40. But Isaiah 40 has a beautiful message. It says, comfort, comfort my people And it says, in the wilderness, in the time of trial, in the time of trouble, it says that God is there and he's working. And Isaiah 40 says, as we look to God, we see that he is a shepherd who's leading his people, who has his sheep close to his heart, it says. And it says that the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it. Isn't it interesting that it's in trouble and trial and wilderness and hardship that the glory of God is revealed? How many of you can look back in your lives at the hardest time, the worst time, and you can look back and say, God was there and he was working and he was making something new in me. He was making something new. We can do that. We can see that. Isaiah 63 tells us, then his people recalled the days of old. And here we are, recalling the days of old, Pentecost, 2,000 years, remembering. Sometimes we got to remember because we forget. Hey, when was the last time you had a song sheet in your hand when you came to worship? (laughs) These are the old days. We're going back to the old days. When was the last time that we worshiped outside? I I was thinking historically, you know, Wesley, Whitfield, they preached in the open field. Here we are in the old days, (laughs) living in the old days, remembering. we got to remember What has God done in the past? Because sometimes we forget in the present, in the trial and the trouble and the difficulty, we forget. And so Isaiah 63 says, recall, remember, look back. What did God do? It says, in the days of Moses and his people, where he has brought them through the sea. Brought them through the sea. Have you ever prayed and said, God, get me out of this? (laughs) rescue me, I don't want to face this anymore, let me not face this trial. Have you ever prayed that? I have, but sometimes God's plan is to go through the sea, to go through the trial, to go through the hardship, and that's what we see in Isaiah 63. God has a plan. He is with his people. He is the good shepherd, and this is what he says, with the shepherd of his flock, where he set his Holy Spirit among them. And so Isaiah 63 says, God takes us through the sea, through the trial. The Israelites were between the sea and the Egyptian army who was going to destroy them. They said, were there not graves in Egypt? Couldn't we have died in Egypt? But Moses said, get your eyes on God. He said, the Lord is with us. And he said, be still. He said, be still in Exodus 14 and says, where he set the Holy Spirit among them. You see, the difference is when we know God is with us, we can go through the sea. We can go through the wilderness. We can go through the trial, through the difficulty. God has a plan and he set his Holy Spirit among us. Do you realize the greatest gift God has ever given is the Holy Spirit? There is no greater gift. And it was made possible through Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus came into this world. We're going through uh, Ecclesiastes and uh, I'm only gonna do two verses, but we're in chapter eight, uh, starting in verse 16 through chapter nine, uh, verse four. But I'm not gonna go through every verse this morning. I just wanna highlight two ideas because Solomon understood in Ecclesiastes that this world is under a terrible curse. He saw the injustice. He saw the suffering. He saw that good people, terrible things happen to them and to terrible people, good things happen. He says it doesn't make sense. He said this life is so short, it's so brief. But he came to the conclusion that if you try to live without God, there's no life. But he realized when you come to God and you receive the gift of God, then there is life, there is joy. And so Solomon is summing up This reality that if we live without God, there is only evil, there is only death. And so, chapter 8, verse 17 says, Then I saw all that God had done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun despite all their efforts to search it out. No one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they can't really comprehend it. Solomon's describing this reality of God and this reality of not having God. There's a choice, there's an option. We can live this life in desperation without God, pursuing pleasure, pursuing wealth, pursuing revenge in our own hands and trying to make things happen. Or we can choose to worship God and trust him and know that he has a plan and that he is good. That's the option. That's the choice. Sometimes life is confusing. I remember a few days ago, Memorial Day, my wife and I and our family, we went through Wyoming. We decided to drive some of the back roads and we were coming over a hill and we came down into a valley on a dirt road and the road was covered with cattle. <laughs> there was cattle everywhere and there was no way through. They covered the road and we thought, what are we gonna do? So we stopped and talked to the cowboy. He said, we're gonna be here for a while. He said, the only way through is to go right through drive through the cows. We were a little nervous about that. (laughs) They were as big as my man. But he said, go through, go through. And so as we began to go through, they began to split. The cows got out of the way, just like the sea split for the Israelites. We don't know what to do, but God knows. We have to wait on him. It's interesting, in Pentecost, Jesus left this earth He ascended into heaven, and for 40 days, the disciples waited. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen in the future. They didn't know what they were going to do with their lives, but they heard the words of Jesus. He said, wait. Wait in Jerusalem, because I have a gift for you. Don't leave. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to make your own way. Wait for me. And so after 40 days, as the Disciples, 120 of them, are gathered in Jerusalem in the upper room. About nine in the morning, all of a sudden, a wind came and a fire came from heaven. And a fire that didn't destroy, but a fire that brought life and passion. And as they declared the glory of God, the goodness of God, that God is a healer, that he's a shepherd, people from all nations, from all different tongues, they heard the message in their own language, and they began to understand what God was doing they begin to understand that God has a plan of salvation. He's not going to destroy this world, he's gonna restore this world. He's gonna deliver us from the curse, from sin, from death. That is why Jesus died on the cross, because he wanted to make a way for death to be defeated, for sin to not be the mark of humanity, but for humanity to be known by the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the healing of God. And so Jesus began something new and he completed it with the resurrection. And as they waited, the resurrection became a reality as the Holy Spirit, as the presence and the power of God became available to men and women and children. It says on all people. You don't have to be a special kind of person. You don't have to do special things. You don't have to have it all together. It says that the spirit of God is a gift. It is a gift. We know... As Ecclesiastes says, it talks about this reality that in this world we don't understand. There's a curse. Later in chapter 9, verse 4, he says, Anyone who is among the living has hope. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Now, I think Solomon, he was thinking about physical death. But we know from the Bible that the worst thing is not physical death. It's spiritual death. It's the death of our souls. It's separation from God. And so Solomon, thousands and thousands of years, looks ahead and he knows that life is possible and that God is the giver of life. He knows that. His conclusion in Ecclesiastes is that there is no gain in this world outside of God, but in God, if we receive the gift, then we have life. And so Solomon looks forward to that day. And we know that in this world, there are many people who have physical life, but are spiritually dead. They're walking dead all around us. And how do we know that? Because Ephesians 2 tells us that we too were dead in our trespasses and sin. I know that because I know the death in my own heart. I know the anger and the greed and the selfishness. I see the fear and the anxiety and all the things in me that are not good. There's death in all of us. Paul calls this the flesh. It's a reality. It's a spiritual reality. It's why our world is so chaotic. It's why there's so much destruction, why there's so much hatred and injustice is because there's death in the human heart. But Jesus came to change that. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible because Acts 1-8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so God has a plan to reverse the death And that's why Solomon can prophesy that anyone who is among the living has hope. Anyone among the living has hope. We, as followers of Jesus, who have received the Holy Spirit, are testimonies of hope. In a dark world, in a chaotic world, in a world of pain, we exhibit something different. And it's not from us. It is from God. That's why in Ephesians, as you read it too, where it says, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, it says, but because of the love of God, because of the love of God in Jesus Christ, because of his mercy, we've been made alive. And it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, so that no one can boast. It is the gift of God. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. It is a gift The Holy Spirit is a gift. We've heard some people talk about the Holy Spirit as if you have to do something special, as if you have to talk in some different kind of language, or if you have to go to church, or have to do all these different kind of things. Not so. The Bible says very clearly in Ephesians that once you believe, at the moment of belief, at the moment of receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, at that moment it says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's grace. And what does Ecclesiastes say? It is the gift of God that gives us life. We cannot achieve life on our own. We cannot find the solution on our own. We must turn to a greater power, a greater wisdom, a greater understanding than what we have and what we know. And so that's why we have to recall the days of old. We have to look back to Pentecost because the early believers didn't know. They didn't know what the future held. They didn't know what was going to happen. They lived in a chaotic time. They lived in a time of oppression and injustice. They lived in a time of great agony and great pain. But when they received the Holy Spirit, they had hope. They understood that God was working, that God had a plan, that God had a a, a reason for taking his people through the sea, through the wilderness, through the trial. God is alive. He is working. He is a living God. And he is calling his people to himself. Will we come? Will we receive the gift that's already been given? Will we awaken to that reality of the presence of God. I'm going to close today by reading the scripture because I want the Bible to speak. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. And so I'm just going to read Romans chapter 8 because Romans 8 explains Pentecost. It explains what the Holy Spirit is. And so this is how we're going to close. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? (laughs) No condemnation (laughs) for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit brings life. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the flesh. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot restore this world by ourselves. God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The living dead But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Brothers and sisters, if we have the Spirit of God, then we are marked by life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. But those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. It's a gift. Praise God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He resides in you. He's alive in you. He's producing what you cannot do on your own. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life. And so the worst thing that could happen to us is not physical death. We have hope. We understand that this life is temporary. We know that God has birthed eternal life in our hearts. And if the spirit of whom who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It is not to live according to the flesh. For you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the mysteries of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, we have to go through the sea we have to go through the wilderness. We have to go through the, the, the pandemic. We have to go through all the difficulty. But here's the difference, that we may also share in his glory. <laughs> there is a glory on the other side of the sea. There's a glory on the other side of the wilderness. And I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. God is starting with you. He's starting with me. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of who, one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. The curse is real, but the curse is losing its hold. It's becoming weak in our own lives because the Spirit of God is breaking it. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first of the Spirit, groan inwardly. We lament, we grieve at the darkness around us, but we wait eagerly. We wait on the Lord For our adoption the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. What did Solomon say? The living have hope. We have hope. Who hopes for what they already have? If we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people." God is on your side. He is the shepherd. He is for you. He is with you. He is among us. He is overcoming in our lives in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us. God is love. He is goodness. He is unselfish in every way. How much more will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Then who is going to condemn? No one. No condemnation. We are free. Christ, Jesus, who died more than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of the God, the Father, and he 's interceding for us. who shall separate us from the love of God, shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword we 're going to go through the sea, brothers and sisters there's wilderness in our lives. But it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's worship him.